So we're excited. We're moving forward uh, with things, and uh, we just believe God that he's got the plan and he's got it all figured out and that we will uh, just fulfill what he has for us as a church body to fulfill, right? I mean, look, the truth is the gospel's free, but bringing the gospel isn't. And so there's there's things that we need to do, and we believe God that he provides everything that we need for everything that he has for us to do. So um, I'll tell you this. If you like the chairs, let us know you like them. If you don't like them, then, yeah, you don't need to tell us because <laughs> they're staying anyway. So, <laughs> But uh, I'm excited about the chairs. And you know what? There's... There's 48 chairs out here and then two back in the sound area, so we have 50 chairs in this room. Um, I was a little skeptical as to whether or not that was even possible, and my wife just told me it was. And that's when we realized that we immediately we needed to take this table out, and we so it seems like a good time to start on the wall. So um, so the table is out. We, we were able to take the table out there, just pointing out a few of the things that we did this week. We got the prayer request box on the wall. We got extra prayer cards and connect cards and, and offering envelopes. And you'll see in the backs of the chairs that we have offering envelopes and connect cards and, and, uh, and prayer cards and all that stuff. So um, I, I'm just excited for, for the progress that we're making. I think we're making a lot of progress. I really do, and I think that that we're going to see, um, we're going to see this year. We're going to see the goals that we had set forth that I talked about last week. We're going to start seeing them come to pass one by one. Also, another thing is I've got my high top table that's on order. It's coming on Tuesday or Wednesday. The high top table, so for here, so I don't have a pulpit because I need more room. See, I've got books and things so I need more room so I need a bigger thing and I need it to be flat so I can put a water bottle on it and not have it slide off and fall over so anyway so you know this morning while we were doing worship I gotta say that you know the selection the song selection this morning was awesome I thought it was great and and that's not to say that we've had poor selections in the past but what we had this morning just worked, right? And a part of that is because we're coming in expecting things. A part of that is because, uh, because of, of being led by the Spirit and choosing the songs. And there's a lot of things that come into play as to why things fall into place they w the way they do. And I can tell you this, our with our obedience, everything else is God. It's not your works that make it happen. It's not your, uh, look how smart I am and picking the right this or that or, or saying the right this or that. It's God. If you're obedient to him, it's all him that's making things happen. And, you know, when we talked last week about the short-term vision, or uh, it's not really, it's the vision for 2024, we're, I'm going to just label as the short-term vision the growth that we want to see. We want to double the attendance of the church. And remember, we're not doubling the attendance of the church because we, we need more money coming in. We want to double the attendance of the church because we are a kingdom-minded church that wants to see people impacted by Jesus. Amen. And the more people 
that come in, the more s- the bigger our sphere of influence, the more that the kingdom can move in the lives of people around us. You know what we had last Sunday after worship and what we had this morning after worship? That stuff isn't confined to the church building. Do you know, I believe that it's not coincidental that the week after we have a strong anointing in, in worship and after worship and in the service that Sid ends up praying for somebody and they get healed. Those two things, that's not a coincidence. These are steps that God uses as we're obedient with him, to him, with what he has for us, that he can start moving in ways that we haven't allowed him to move in the past. And I'm not saying this church as a whole because I know great things have happened in this church in the past. And I've told you several times, we're not taken away from that. I'm not talking against any of that stuff. I'm not saying that, that Pastor Garth did anything wrong. I'm not saying that Pastor Larry did anything wrong. God just has us where he has us for this season, for right now. And he had them where they were for that season, for a purpose. And w- while when we, as we continue to move forward, because... Like I said, we're not, I'm not saying when we anymore. It's things are here now. We have it now. It's not something that we long strive for and we long for in the great by and by. These are things we're going to see now. What did Jesus say when he taught the, the apostles to his followers, his disciples to pray? He said, thy kingdom done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? That the way things are done in heaven is the way things are supposed to happen on earth. It came out of Jesus' mouth. This isn't me like pretending to be Jesus or pretending to be a demigod or any of that kind of stuff. These are the words that he spoke. He said, let in heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means whatever he wills up there, is there sickness in heaven? No. Is there disease in heaven? No. Is there lack in heaven? No. Is there de- demonic oppression and, and demonic anything that happens in, in heaven? No. It doesn't. Are the, is mental illness in existence in heaven no it exists on this earth and we can never step back and say well that's just blah 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 when there's mental issues or mental illness in people's lives it needs to be it needs to be treated but it doesn't exist in heaven which means that god does not intend for that to be on earth it is not his will for it to be on earth because it's not in heaven What is in heaven? The glory of God in every nook and cranny of existence in heaven. That's what's intended to be on earth. That's what we're bringing on earth. We are bringing the glory of God to this earth so that the anointing can go forth and do things that we cannot do on our own. You know, Smith Wigglesworth would talk about how he would go somewhere and somebody would just come up to him and say, My God, I need to get saved. He never preached to him, never said a word to him. He just sat next to him on a train. 
That is the glory of God penetrating every nook and cranny of this earth. And don't get me wrong, it doesn't take away from preaching because, you know, well, I don't want to stop preaching. But <laughs> it doesn't take away from the need for preaching. But don't think that that's the only avenue that God could use to touch somebody. Charles Finney, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he had some great revival movements in the Great Awakening centuries, a couple centuries ago, century and a half, I don't know. I don't remember the exact years. But anyway, he would talk about the same thing. He would go places. He would go into a church, and people would come down before he ever did any sort of message on stuff, and they would just fall at his feet to get saved. Because the glory of God is on this earth. Do you know there's no place that on this planet that God will have you go that he already hasn't gone before you? Nowhere. Just think about that. Even if you go to the hospital, God went there before you to make sure that things were set for you. I'm not saying that 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 we should always choose doctors over supernatural healing, but I am saying that doctors serve a purpose and God uses doctors on this earth to serve a purpose. And he will go before you and their hands will be sure and accurate and their minds will be full of wisdom and knowledge and they will understand something in you they might not have seen in somebody else because God went before you. God has the best in mind for us. And if you ever doubt that, go back to Genesis and creation. How many days did it take God to create the earth? Six days. How many of those days did it take him to create man? A split second in the last day. Man was the last thing that God created. Do you know why? Because he spent five and three-quarter days creating everything that you would need to walk in fullness of his plan and desire for you on this earth. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he cares about us. He's got it figured out. So I want to read, and I'm going to try to to um, wrap up as, as quick as I can, but I, there's some things that we really need to get to because this stuff's important. And next week I, I, I want to move on to some other stuff, so I want to wrap up this vision stuff today. So the long-term vision is the definition for us in this state is from now until Jesus returns. That's the long-term vision of this church. So I know as, as Americans and as humans, a lot of times when we think long-term, we think a year out, maybe two years out. But that's not long-term to God. Long-term for us is not a year or two out. Long-term for us is until Jesus comes back. Now, are these things going to be solid and a main focal point for the rest of the existence of this church? I don't know. But I can tell you that, that just like when, when Darren and I took over this church, when we stepped into this position, we did not step into this position with an end date. This is open-ended. Can God change that? Well, yeah, if, he, if it's his will, he can. 
But we're, we never look at it like that. Nor should we look at, at any vision that God gives us now as having an end date. We're just going to follow him in it until he tells us otherwise. And you know, sometimes he will tell us otherwise. But let's go to Acts 5, 12 through 16 and, and verse 42. And I'm going to read this out of my favorite translation um, to, to reference, and that's the Passion Translation. If you guys don't have Passion Translation, um, Version Bible has Passion Translation, and there's other Bible apps that have it. I encourage you to read it a little bit. You don't have to make it your daily read. But if you're wanting to get deeper into what the Word says or Scripture says about something, look it up. Because I, I think that that it's it's great at going into depth, clarifying some things, and even like shaking my thought process to the core sometimes in the way things are worded. But in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, I'll start in 12, it says, The apostles performed many signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. And the believers were wonderfully united as they met regularly in the temple courts in the area known as Solomon's Porch. No one dared harm them, for everyone held them in high regard. Continually, more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their numbers, great crowds of both men and women. In fact, when people knew Peter was going to walk by, they carried the sick out to the streets and laid them down on cots and mats, knowing the incredible power emanating from him would overshadow them and heal them. So that great power is the Holy Spirit. It's not just for Peter. That's what we have in us. And then verse 16, it says, Great numbers of people swarmed into Jerusalem from nearby villages. They brought with them sick and those troubled by demons, and everyone was healed. Now, real quick on that passage, this is what my vision for this church is. This is what our vision for this church is. People will come from far and wide because they heard that some great things were happening here. Not because we plaster everything all over social media, not because we, sp we spend tens of thousands of dollars advertising, but because Jesus is advertising for us. Because we are accustomed to listening to his voice and following his direction. Look, this morning, I, I, maybe there's somebody in here that would say that, well, you didn't call me out is to pray for me this morning. Look, I didn't call Kathy out because any other reason than God spoke specifically to me and said, you need to lay hands on her. That's it. And when she goes out with a testimony of what God has done for her in this place, people are going to say, wait a second, I have that same problem. Or wait a second, I heard about this kind of stuff in the past, and I had an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or a grandfather that, that, that used to believe this stuff. And, and every time I was around them, amazing things happened, and they're going to hear about it, and they're going to come. Not to see me, not to see you, maybe to see you guys, not to see me, 
but to experience Jesus. Our church in Tulsa has this saying that we want to introduce people to the Jesus that they've heard about. We want people to experience Jesus, not just hear about Jesus. Another saying our pastor uses all the time is, do you, do you know of Jesus or do you know him? There's a huge difference. A huge difference. Verse 42. It says, And nothing stopped them. They kept preaching every day in the temple courts and went from house to house preaching the gospel of Jesus, God's anointed one. So the one thing that I can pull from this passage is this, that if you want to see expansion for the kingdom, then you, there's some things that you need to do, right? There's things that you have to do. And the big one is nothing stopped them from preaching Jesus. Look, I know that we live in a time when they're trying to shut the church down, but people cannot take your prayer away from you. People cannot take your faith away from you. I've told this before. Darren and I worked in, in public school ministry in Mississippi, and people say, oh, you can't do that. You can't pray in schools. I did. Every single time I stepped foot on that campus, I prayed. Everywhere you go, when people say, you can't pray here, you can't say the name of Jesus here, look, go into that place and just inside yourself, under your breath, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, that you're here. Thank you that you're in this place. And see if God doesn't change some stuff in there. We cannot cower to intimidation of people around us that tell us what we can and cannot do as believers. I'm not saying to run out and do something dumb and get thrown in jail for it. I'm talking about if God puts something on your heart, it's never dumb to do it. But don't be in the flesh and say, oh, bless God, I'm going to test him in this. No, there's one time that God tells us to test him, and that's in finances. There's no other time that we're supposed to test God in anything. We take him at face value. And if he tells us to do something, we do it. We step out. We believe God. So what's our purpose? To preach Jesus everywhere we go. To be led by the Holy Spirit. To be kingdom-minded. And kingdom-minded is this. Look, I know we just prayed and you got saved, and you're welcome to come to our church. Well, my grandma has a church across town. Well, bless God, can I give you a ride there? to make sure that you're able to get there and then come over here for service. It does not matter where people go. All that matters is, is their life impacted by Jesus. We want people in church. We want them hearing the word. We want them in fellowship with other believers. Do you know, when the, what does the Bible say when we give our tenth? of our finances. It says that God will open the windows of heaven for us and pour out blessings we don't have room enough to store. What do you think he does when we that's what he does when we don't hoard money. What do you think he does when we don't hoard people? The same thing. 
These are principles. We aren't going to hold on tight with so tightly to people and say, well, you know, and I've heard this before. We had a good friend of ours in Mississippi that left the church that we were in, and it was after Dara and I had moved away, and he passed away. And we were talking to the pastor, and I'm not kidding. The pastor said, well, if he would have stayed in this church, he would have never died, but he got outside the will of God. And he was no longer under the protection of the Holy Spirit. No, that's not what the Word says. The Word says, where I go, he goes. That's it. Can things happen when we're outside of the will of God? Yes. Why? Because we make dumb decisions. Right? Because we we decide to go hang out with the wrong person and they happen to have a gang that w- that's hunting them down and we're in the middle of all this stuff when it goes down and something happens to us. God's not doing that because we made that decision. That's a consequence, a natural consequence of a bad decision. And they happen all the time. You need to go to church where God tells you to go to church. You need to be involved where God tells you to get involved. And I know this one is tough, but you need to to fall under the leadership that God's put over you. And I know that's hard sometimes because decisions aren't made that we always like. Trust me, I've been there. I've done it. I was on staff at two different churches. One is a youth minister and one is an associate pastor. And I used to get up at our church in Tulsa, which we're still members of from a distance. But I used to get up when I preached there and I would tell people that, look, a lot of people won't tell you this and a lot of pastors aren't okay with this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't be- I don't agree with everything that he says. But it's okay. Why? Because God planted us there. Because he rooted us in that place. And we wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for that place. And for us getting planted there and rooted there. And going through the hard times and not always agreeing with everything that was done and said. But God had something for us there. And we were going to stick to it until we got it. And we're not done getting stuff from that church. I talk to my pastor weekly because he's always pouring into my life. And I give him a place in my life. Why? Because he has shown me how to expand the kingdom. He has shown me what kingdom-mindedness really looks like. It looks like loving people with the best of our abilities and helping them grow in the things of God. And what God has for them isn't our business. But us helping them get there because God told us to is. So we walk in the miraculous. We engage in spiritual warfare. And I'm not talking the flaky stuff where we dress up in camos and get in a helicopter and fly over the city. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, and we're going we're gonna to rain down the, the weapons of, of God's warfare on the city, and we're going to, no. I'm talking about, like, biblical spiritual warfare. We stand in the gap 
for those that aren't able to stand for themselves. And you know, I'll go even further. It doesn't even matter what their, their worldly views are. It doesn't matter what their political affiliation is. It doesn't matter what their denominational affiliation or lack thereof is. None of that matters. We stand with people for the betterment of their lives regardless of all that stuff. So that doesn't mean we, well, you know, Aunt Judy, she, uh, she doesn't think the way that we think, so I don't really want to invite her to Easter service because what if she gets up and says something that goes against everything that we believe? Then she gets up and says it. And if you, if you guys are moved by what she says as a guest coming in for one service, then there's some issues in your life that you need to address with God. We need to be rooted and grounded and so confident about what we believe in God that others don't have the ability to walk in our lives that have never been in our lives before and completely change our thought process. That doesn't mean that when people speak to us that we don't take to heart what they say and, and contemplate it and pray about it and see if maybe God has something different, but that's not what we do. We don't, we don't give in to it and say, well, you know what, I guess you're right. I guess we're going to have to just start doing that here. You know, there are churches now that profess Christianity that say that, that, uh, that um, Mary wasn't a virgin because it's Im scientifically impossible for a virgin to have a baby. And what's, what's the very, that is absolutely the truth, but what's the whole purpose of that whole story? To show that God is able to do the miraculous in any situation. That's why it's important that we believe in the virgin birth. Because we believe that God is capable of doing just what he said that he's, he's able to do. We demonstrate heaven on earth. We talk, just talked a little bit about this. We're going to demonstrate it. How? Like worship this morning, worship last week. Those are things that are starting to lead us into demonstrating heaven on earth on a regular basis. You know what? Where things were a month ago, the church is nowhere near that now spiritually. We're not. How do I know? Because the presence of the Lord has been stronger in this place the last few weeks than what it had been for the couple of months prior to that. And that's not because of anybody being outside or will of God or sinning or any of that stuff. God has a process that he's bringing us to so that we can stand exactly where he needs us to be. Do you know if we would have come in and the very first Sunday had tried to have what God orchestrated this morning that there it could have caused some issues. Well, that's just not how we do things here. Well, that's okay. I understand that. But God's not in the business of doing what you're used to. He's in the business of doing what he needs to. And whatever he wants to. And the last thing in this part of our purpose that I want to touch on is that we I want to see, I envision this, and I, I'm not saying this as me, 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 but God has given me this vision to see a fivefold ministry in this church. All five offices in this church will have freedom 
to be a part of what we're doing. And if you're wondering what that is, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, and he gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints, the equipping of the saints and working of, of, of work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So why is it important to have the fivefold ministry working in your church? Because it's for the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry. I'm going to tell you something, and I think you guys already know this, but if you don't, it might come as a shock to you. You are just as much in full-time ministry as what Darren and I are. Every one of you. What does the word tell us about, about the ministry that God has given us? He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people unto God. First and foremost, every single one of us that are born again are called to that. How that looks in your life is going to be different. So what do we bring to the community around us with this stuff? We bring unconditional love. We bring transformation. Be transformed. It's been a part of this church for, for years and years now. Be transformed. The transformed mind. Which leads to renewing of the mind. The mind of Christ. That's what we bring the community. Intimacy and proximity with the Father. Look, if the only time that you're spending around, around God is on Sunday morning, or if you come to Bible study, or if you come to prayer on Thursday nights, if that's the only time you're spending around God, then I can tell you there's a relationship breakdown between you and the Father. He intends for us to be in intimacy and proximity on a daily basis. We can bring that to the people around us. We help others live as God intended. We bring kingdom to the world around us. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. We bring kingdom to the people around us. We bring deliverance. We bring healing. We bring miracles, signs, and wonders. These are just some of the things that we bring to the community when we step into what God has for us. So what is our passion? Well, there's a couple things I want to talk about here real quick. Um, obviously, we have a passion for, for bringing people to Jesus. We have a passion for their lives to be transformed. We have a passion that they would walk in, in healing and they would walk in provision and they would walk in everything that God intended for us to walk in on this earth. In Ephesians 3.9 in the New King James, it says, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the ministry, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. And you say, well, what is that? That doesn't sound like passion, but if this is why I read the Passion Translation sometimes. In the Passion Translation, it says, My passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. What divine mystery? The mystery of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is our passion, to bring people to an understanding, saving knowledge of who Jesus is. Not to, to tell them about Jesus, but to introduce them to Jesus so that they can experience him in a tangible way. So, what is our calling? 
Well, a lot of what Darren and I have in us obviously stems from our church in Tulsa. So a lot of things that you hear from us are things that have been put in our heart through our relationship. So it can. But uh, we've talked about this before. To see people as Jesus sees them, to love people as Jesus loves them. That's a really big part of what we want to do going forward. I don't know that we're going to word it the exact same way as that, but that is the very core of who we are and what we what we want to do in this community, right? To love people the way Jesus loves them, to see people the way Jesus sees them. So you know what? If we see people the way Jesus sees them, do you know that that this can get really crazy if, depending on what your thoughts are on judgment and God's judgment and and the dispensation that we're in. But the reality is we're in a dispensation of grace. And if we weren't, then you and I and everybody in this room would probably already been burned up by God's judgment. But when Jesus came to the earth, when he died on the cross, when he rose again, he, he ushered us into the dispensation of grace, which means that God's grace is on us until an appointed time. And and to be honest with you, from the time that Jesus came until now, the appointed time is is always 100 percent of the time death of that person. So Jesus, God's grace will ride with you until you die. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then your eternity is set away from him, separated from him in hell. This isn't my choice. It's not what I intend or what I would prefer, but it's how God set things up because he set up hell was never created for mankind. It was created for the devil and all the angels that fell with him and rebelled against God, and that's why hell was set up. But you know, when you're on the team, when you're on a team and that team loses, you reap the same loss as everybody else on the team. If you win, I don't want to say who won on Sunday, but if you win the Super Bowl, everybody, you know everybody on that team that's active on that roster gets a ring whether they played in that game or not. That's how things work. That's how they work with God. So this is why when you're born again, whether you ever do anything for God the rest of your life or not, you still have a place in heaven because you're on that team. The same thing goes for the devil. If you're on that team, you get the same punishment as everybody else on that team. God didn't intend us to be that way. That's what we want to bring to people. Second Corinthians 5.18, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We just talked about that. So we want to help mature people to accomplish all God has for them to do. We want to expand the kingdom one person at a time. We don't need to have million-man marches and, and 10 million people, crusades, and all that kind of stuff to fulfill what God has for us. He doesn't have that for all of us. Nothing wrong with that stuff. But for us, it's one person at a time. 
Who can you reach today for Jesus? Teach and preach Jesus. Evangelize and prophesy Jesus. Everything we do is Jesus. Disciple people from brand newborn, brand new born again all the way through to full-grown mature Christians. And how do we do that? We lead by example. Meaning this, that we can't take somewhere, somebody somewhere that, we, that we're not able to go ourselves. Right? We can't. I can't take my daughters in the girls' bathroom. Why? Because I'm not a girl. I don't care what society wants to say that I can claim myself to be. I'm not a girl. I can't take my girls into the girls' bathroom because I can't go in there. I can't lead them in there. Right? It's the same thing with stuff from God. We can't take people to places that we can't go ourselves. I can't bring you into uh, a, a place of, of worship the way that, that Karen and Miss Chris can. Why? Because I'm not gifted in song. I can't go there. But I sure as heck will baste in that anointing as much as anybody else. And then we'll take that anointing and carry it into other things like we did this morning. Right? That's why we have people up here that are gifted in music to, to bring us to a place of uh, the throne room of God where God can do things and has freedom to do things. We're family focused on, on all levels of ministry. We want a strong children's ministry, a strong youth ministry. We want a strong adult ministry. We want to see people's lives impacted. We want to infiltrate the devil's camp and point Jesus to salvation and redeem and redemption that only comes through him. And we do not cower in fear. I can't stress this enough. We are not going to make decisions because we're afraid of anything. We make decisions because God has directed us to make decisions. I'll tell you right now, I'll be uh, completely transparent. The way things went this morning is not my comfort zone. It's not how I want to be. I'm okay with just coming up here and saying, thank you, Jesus, for the good songs, and let's get into the service. Right? I mean, to be honest, that's my comfort zone. But you know what? I was never comfortable with public speaking until I allowed God to use it. And I will not be comfortable with that portion of service until I allow God to use me in that and then I can become comfortable in it to where we can just drop right into it and then you but you know what's going to happen is that every single time he'll pull me outside of my comfort zone somewhere else because that's how God works that's it we stand strong in faith believing the word is true in every situation. And we exist. So we have a, a church that we go to in South Dakota when we're out there in the Black Hills in Custer. And the pastor there, his name's Joel, and he's a great guy. And man, he can preach some great sermons. It's a great church. But he said this. He said, 
that we exist to influence this world with the kingdom of God. And I just love that. We exist to influence this world with the kingdom of God. So those are some of the things that I wanted to share with you guys about what it is that that we're pushing for in the long haul. These things, I don't see these things changing. We're not going to get to a point where we're, whoa, bless God, we're big enough now. We don't need to have a family focus on strong children and strong youth and strong adult ministry. These are things that are going to be around for a long time. Why? Because God didn't go halfway with me. I'm not going to go halfway with the people he has me reach. Right? And so these are not written in stone, but I have a, a mission and a vision statements that I, I've been really pondering about and really uh, meditating on and praying about. But the mission is loving people, transforming lives. I think that fits us. It 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 kind of blends this idea of loving people the way that Jesus loves them and seeing people the way that Jesus sees them with what the church has been for a long time and transform lives, Trans be transformed. And it kind of merges those two things together because we're not done with transform be, be transformed just because we changed the logo on the church building. We're not done with it. As a matter of fact, I think we're more committed to it now than, than I've ever been committed to it. I don't know about you guys. I don't know, you know, because we weren't around the church every single day for the last 11 or 12 years or 15 years or whatever. It's, it's been a while, huh? 13 years. Holy smokes. I haven't been around the church every single day. I don't know how much of a passion it was for the church in that everyday situation. I can tell you that when we were around the church during the tornado, it was very much a part of why the church did what it did in the community to help transform lives. It's a focal point for us. And then the vision, again, this is just something that I'm still praying about and still working on, but to introduce people to a Jesus many have only heard of and to see them grow into maturity in Christ. To introduce people to a Jesus many have only heard of and to see them grow into maturity in Christ. And I think those two things really uh, encapsulate a lot of uh, a majority of what it is that we're trying to do going forward. And so you say, well, you could have just said those and be done with the service at like quarter two. Well, yeah, I could have. But then I wouldn't have been able to get my preach on, now would I? <laughs> but anyway, that I hope that you guys get a have a, a clearer understanding of what it is that's in our hearts to do going forward. We're not a sit by the wayside, be a bystander church. You know what frustrates me more about watching professional sports when they do like the Stanley Cup and the Super Bowl and the World Series? What frustrates me the most is I never took sporting events serious enough to be able to be in a position like that to actually be a part of those games. I've always saw myself as a bystander, even when I played baseball, even when I played hockey. 
And if we see ourselves as a spiritual bystander, then we're not going to jump in the game. We're not going to engage with the people around us. And we're not going to see the kingdom come to this earth the way that God intends it in our sphere of influence. Sid did not pray for somebody to get healed and have them get healed because he was sitting on the sidelines. He tagged himself in. Said, my turn, Jesus. I got this. And what was the result? If he had not tagged himself in, she would have been in the same place at whatever time early in the morning that it was. She would have been in the same place then as she was when when he saw her that day. We've got to get in the game. We have to. And I can tell you, I don't know, and I say this again, I don't know much about drag racing. John does. But I can tell you this, that if you don't go to that starting line with every intention of winning that race, you will never win a single one. You have to commit. You have to sit there no matter how hard your chest is pounding, no matter how much fear is rolling up in you. And when that light goes, which is the part that I would totally mess up, I would probably stall it out or something and be the laughing stock. But when that light at the bottom turns green, you're full throttle. You're not, there's no messing around. You're committed. And you know what? Where that car goes, you're going with it. So you need to be focused. Because <laughs> if it goes left, you're going to, and you're not going to have a fun ride. But we are committed. We're, we've been at the starting line. We're no longer waiting for that light to turn green. That light has turned green. Our throttle is on the floor. We are full bore, and we are going with everything that we had towards that finish line. Why? Paul says you run a race to win it. We're running this race to win it. And as a church, we are going to win this race as a church. So going forward... This is where we're at. We've already stepped into it, and we're just going to keep on going day after day, week after week, month after month. God's got something, and I am super excited to be a part of it. I can't even tell you. I'm more excited about this than my daughter was about her birthday. That's pretty stinking excited. Because nobody gets more excited about their birthday than our two girls. <laughs> oh, so I hope that this spoke to you guys today. Let me know if there's anything that God puts in your heart that you would like to see. We can talk about it. We'll pray about it. We'll see what God has for it. And we're just going to move forward with him in everything we do. Father, I just thank you this morning for the opportunity to share vision. God, I thank you for the vision that you've given this church. Oh, Lord, I just thank you that this vision is greater than anything that any of us can accomplish on our own. Our total 100% reliance is on you, Lord. There's no time for us to get caught up in our own mess. What you've called us to is too urgent. It's too important. Help us to stay focused, Father.
Help us to see those around us the way you see them. Help us to love those around us the way you love them. Help us to be willing to get on one knee to speak to the woman caught in adultery the way you spoke to her. Father, there's nothing too great for you to overcome. And sometimes you just need us to help guide people to that place. Help us to see it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the miraculous in this place this morning. Thank you for your spirit moving in this place. Thank you for healings, miracles, signs, and wonders that took place this morning. Thank you that that's the norm for us. That this is just how life with Jesus goes. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks, guys, for going a, a little.